0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Did you finish Did you that? Chug that? <laughs> we're, about one half, we're about halfway
2: there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark show,
3: the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. Field of 68 After Dark, it was one of the busiest and wildest days of the college basketball season to date. It was the first time all year that it really felt like we had a full slate of basketball. Started at 11 a.m. this morning. We had a matchup between Penn State and Virginia Tech a full 12 hours ago, and we are here ending this night with you guys watching Illinois and UCLA in what has been a a pretty interesting and enthralling game. Uh, My name is Rob Doster. I have with me tonight Robbie Hummel, who has decided to grace us with his presence on After Dark and former Butler head coach Laval Jordan. Gentlemen, we have a lot to get to tonight. The first thing that we are going to do, though, is we are going to have our toast tonight. This is a tradition that we're bringing over from the field of twelve, where we uh, we toast, or we cheers, or we celebrate a player, or a coach, or a team, or someone that had some kind of success tonight that we want to celebrate and we want to highlight. Laval, I'm going to go to you first on this one.
4: Yeah, Rob, what's up? I'm I'm going to go uh, toast tonight to my guy, one of my guys in in the profession, Ron Sanchez, in the University of Charlotte. Playing for the Myrtle Beach final. They're 4-0 for the first time in years. Um, two big wins in down there in Myrtle Beach, and he gets to play for a championship coming up here. I think against UMass, is that right? Mm-hmm. Is that, is, who's on the other side of the bracket? So I've got a I got a bottle of water here, but a toast to my man Sanchez. Um, he's he's one of my guys, and I'm happy for him. So I'm pulling for them to get a championship here. Homo, what's going
1: on, man? Who you got? I'm going to go Armand Franklin and the Virginia Cavaliers offense. Uh, Armand Franklin, 26 points, 7-12 to from the field, got to the foul line 10 times. And and even bigger picture from that, Virginia, 9-14 of from three. They were on fire against Baylor. So I I have nothing to drink. So
3: uh, cheers (laughs) to that. Cheers Cheers to that. Cheers to to UVA, Uh, a school and a program and a community that really needed something good and something positive um, to root for. I'm going to go with the SWAC. It is the second straight night that I've been on After Dark where I have toasted the SWAC. Tonight, they picked up their fourth win over a Pac-12 team as Southern went into Cal and knocked off the Golden Bears. And we also had Mississippi Valley State pick up their first non-conference win against a Division I opponent since 2018. Fellas, how about that? Cheers to the SWAC, getting it done this season. The Pac-12
1: is about to cancel that deal. (laughs)
3: <laughs> they, they thought it
1: was going to be a fun little thing that they do in school schools, and they not so much
4: good good coaches down there in in the SWAC Tr- trust me you love to see
3: it. it's uh it's a shame that it's going to end the the Pac-12 SWAC legacy series because that was a, a cool event and a cool idea uh but I guess and they're doing I mean, it next year, they're doing next year to too they're, they're doing,
1: doing it next year too yeah <laughs> the home say, and home. how many we'll, years
4: are on it the home we'll and see. homes
3: are
5: going
1: back next year that's so, good. Yeah, I think they play the same teams but they just flip-flop the venue.
3: I guess uh, they're probably checking to see how uh how wet the ink is on those contracts at this point <laughs> just just to make sure just to make sure. All right, we have a lot to get into tonight. Uh, the Gavit games uh finished up. We had Villanova coming back and, and ultimately falling at Michigan State. Indiana went into Xavier and knocked off the Musketeers in Sean Miller's first big game since coming back. To Cincinnati. And then we'll we'll get into Illinois and UCLA when this game comes to the end. But uh Hummel, I want to go to you first on this one. You mentioned Virginia because they beat up on a Baylor team, uh, ranked number five in the country, a team that a lot of us thought could be a real legit national title contender of the season. The final score there, 86 to 79. As you mentioned, they made nine to 14 threes. It felt like they hit it about 12 in a row in the second half as they turned a uh, a four-point deficit into what I believe hit a 20-point lead at one point. So um let me let's just go. Picture on this one first Virginia, how good is this team and and where do they kind of rank compared to some of the best Virginia teams of the past?
1: I think they're really good now in terms of ranking them compared to the national title team back in 2019, um, or some of Tony Bennett's other teams that have been really good. I don't know about that, but I do think that they're a team that's going to challenge Carolina, they're going to challenge Duke, um, to be at the top of the ACC. I, I really like Armand Franklin, I think. He had a good NIT last year and has really come on and, and played well, had a great game tonight. Um, I like Jaden Gardner. I, I've seen I know he did he was one of four, but I, I saw him last, not two years ago now, I suppose, when he was at East Carolina. He can really score. You have a point guard who knows how to win and Keyhei Clark. I like the addition of Ben Vanderplas, who has been in the NCAA tournament at Ohio. I, I like this team. And defensively, what they did to Baylor tonight, especially considering how much Baylor loves to play pick and roll with their guards and the way they defended that. It's all about talking about the pack line, but tonight I think the story for Virginia is the hard hedge. I mean, it just killed Baylor. It was so effective defensively, and you got to give a lot of credit to those kids for, for getting out there and being solid in their pick and roll defense.
3: Mm-hmm. it's part of the part of the reason it works so well laval is, is that what scotch likes to do is run ball screen after ball screen after ball it's kind of the way that he builds his offense out so um what was it about the way that they were hedging uh, just kind of elaborate on that point a little bit why why yeah, did that match they little-
4: um you know the, the way there's just a limited space the way they the way if you're playing against the uva team and um Yeah, obviously you you think of like uh, UMBC when they beat them in the tournament, if you got a big that can pick and pop, Uh, if you can play through your big. So so what, you know, Baylor doesn't have is a a big you can hit on a short roll and he can make a next decision, right, when you're playing against a hard-hedge team. And and it's difficult. I mean, I remember, Hummel, you'll appreciate this. This is a shout-out to Purdue. When Trey Burke, we had Trey Burke, who's national player of the year, as Michigan as a sophomore, but his freshman year, when Purdue hard hedged him, like he he struggled. And Keontae George had five turnovers tonight. And he and he's he had twenty points. He's phenomenal. He's a he's a heck of a player. Um, but when those guys jump out at you and they're aggressive, you know, it it shocks you. And you and it's hard to practice it. That, that's the thing. It's like you can you can talk about it, you can watch it on film, but you don't feel it the same way until you're actually playing in the game. And uh they struggled early. You know, they they fought and got themselves back in the game, but it's difficult especially for young guards and so if you can't hit your big on a short roll and him make another decision for your for your team you know it, it's hard or if he can't pick and pop and shoot and, and you know when the unBC when they the big upset you know the, their bigs popped and hit a bunch of threes
1: it's hard to believe but I was on that team <laughs> I played against That's right Berg, so I was That's actually, right.
4: <laughs> I was I was on that. it was hey we went from we went from icing to that hard hedging because it was like, hey, if Trey can't handle a hedge, we might need to do it because he's the best guard in the country. So yeah. we probably should do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but I,
1: I want to say that we were on fire, too. We made a ton of threes in, in the game at Michigan, at least. You guys beat us at home that year. But, um, yeah. So yeah.
3: with this Virginia team, what we always see – with Tony Bennett's best pro uh, best teams and best programs is that player development, right? Over the course of two, three, four years. uh, How important is it now that Caden Shedrick and Armand Franklin and Jaden Gardner have had a year in the program? Are we seeing that jump, right? Because what we saw tonight from UVA beating up on a Baylor team that was top five in the country is, is a big step up from what they were last season and it's not – you don't always see those leaps from teams that bring everybody back, right? Yeah. It's kind of like TCU, kind of like Creighton to a point this year. The question about bring... Michigan
1: State in Michigan yeah. State as well. I mean, they have taken that jump, I would say, too. So, yeah, this is the same core that made the NIT last season. And, you know, I, that's definitely not the standard at the University of Virginia. And there's no question that even though last year was a down year for them, Tony Bennett can, can really coach. That, that's not a question ever. So for those guys, I'm, I'm sure it was talked about all summer long. I'm sure it drove those guys. And you bring everybody back. You bring in a transfer who you can bring off the bench that understands his role. And I, I thought it was pretty cool they were talking about how uh, Vanderplass's dad played for Dick Bennett. That, that's a pretty yeah. cool connection in that regard. Um, but he's a guy that can score, and he, he's going to do what what Tony asks, and he'll be fine with coming off the bench in there. They're just a really good team. Last year, their depth wasn't great. Last year, if I'm not mistaken, they were playing six, seven guys. I think tonight I think they played ten. So certainly, Tony feels like he can go to some other guys now, and and definitely you have to credit the player development for these guys taking a step, staying together, and and playing at
4: a high level early on in the season. I want to play a little doubles. I, I think advocate this too, here. Rob is like, and it's probably be a theme while I'm on, while I'm on here with you guys, like all year, guards and three point shooting. It, it, like Virginia now, you know, the issue last year, they, they defended like Virginia typically does, and and everybody expects them to f- defend that way. But right now, Armand Franklin's making three threes a game. And, and we recruited Armand. So this will probably be the night where it's like all the guys that we almost got but didn't get. Uh, Armand <laughs> Franklin one of those guys. He's from Cathedral High School here in Indianapolis, and we went hard after him and didn't get him. And he wasn't a great shooter coming out of high school. Um, but as you talked about the player development piece, like him making three threes a game at this point in the season, Reese Beekman, like we recruited Reese and had involvement with him. He wasn't a great shooter, but he's hitting one and a half a game now. And, and, uh, Kay Clark is hitting two a game. Like they, that was the thing last year. They struggled to score, um, because they just didn't shoot it, shoot it from the perimeter.
3: Yeah. That's what I was going to say is to play devil's advocate a little bit. I think in the second half Baylor kind of figured out how to, how to go up against, Um, that defense and kind of figured out what they were doing. To me, what really stood out, Humble, was your toes, right? And and we know you can always just assume that you're going to have a a certain floor for what Virginia is defensively, right? But if they're a team, and I'm not expecting them to go like nine for 14 from three or shoot 56% from the floor every single night, but they didn't have a game like this in their ceiling last year no so this uh, now honestly i didn't think that they had a team that could put up 86 points against a program that we know is as good defensively as baylor is
1: i think you could say the same thing about texas and chris beard from a couple nights ago we always knew they'd defend but if they're going to score like that you know they can be up there with anybody in the country um i I just think the standard is that high for the way they, they defend you um to where if their offense is clicking and on a night where tonight and and you said this, they're not going to shoot 64% from three every game. They're going to have nights where they don't shoot it well. Um, but I, I do think that they have experienced guys and, and I don't see a reason why they,
4: they won't compete for an ACC title
1: this year. But with I, North I Carolina back, with like,
4: back when they, the year they won it, Kyle guy was making three a game and Ty Jerome was making two a game. And it's like, Hey, they got a couple guys right now making two a game and Vanderplas can hit one. And, you know, they got enough. They're going to be in the game defensively. Like, I was shocked that they were up because they typically aren't blowing people out. But if you get down by 20 to Virginia or it's Wisconsin. Like 40. Yeah, if you get down by, like, Villanova, Virginia, Wisconsin, I, I kind of put them in the same category. If you get down by 20 to those guys, it's like it's like being down 40. Like, it's it's hard to come back because of the, they, they're not going to turn the ball over. They're going to make good decisions. They're going to be fundamentally sound. Uh, so it, it makes it difficult. So kudos to Baylor for for getting themselves back in the game and, and and cutting it to one or two possessions. Are we
3: worried about Baylor at all? Is this something that's concerning to you? Was this just UVA caught fire on the wrong night? Um, uh, they are. This is why I'm a little bit concerned. And I kind of said this into the, se- the heading into the season, but I didn't really know if I believed it myself. Uh, they have small guards right and when they had davion mitchell and when they had macy O'Teague, and when they had mark vital they still they had small guards but those guys were also the elite of the elite defensively right and i don't know if you could say the same about some of the pieces on this roster right i don't know if lj crier is really a guy that you believe is a great defender i don't know if adam flagler is they're probably in the right spots most of the time but they're just not the same level of athlete so is that something that Am I reading too much into it by just saying I don't know if they're going to be able to get stops this year?
4: I, I think I don't so. Know, how small? Go are ahead, you them Small, like in Keontae George, like six four, and flag. Yeah, but six, he's playing. The, he's
3: playing the three for him. When you have the, the those three guards out there, yeah. Right? And, all, and if all, you have that, ahead.
4: like what they had with with the group that won it, we played them. So we played them. Um, this was the COVID year. We went down there. We were twelve and zero non-conference went down and lost to Baylor by one the year before they won. It, and they had those three, they had elite quickness. Now th- these guys aren't as quick. Like they, th- those guys were unbelievable. Beat you to spots and turn you and, and they were elite with their quickness. These guys, the guards they got now, I mean, I-, I think just looking at it, and I watched, you know, a decent amount of the game was they, uh, I think they played the way they you know they they typically played how much can they get out of their bigs like they're and then mm-hmm. you know because Flagler came into the game averaging double figures he scored 15 he had seven assists Keontae George didn't have the six assists that he was averaging because of he struggled with the hedge and the and the ball screen coverage from Virginia and and then um, LJ Cryer had 19 you know but they they in a game like that your bigs I'm not worried. I mean, their bigs have to be able to 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 give them something. Um, but not I'm not concerned about them. like Scotto figured out he's a good coach and and they'll I think they'll be okay. Robbie?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm the same. It's one game. I think Virginia caught fire. Um, I, I do think that teams are gonna see this blitzing ball screen style, and if they're they have the bigs to do it, we'll try it. Um and in that case, you might have to go to a smaller lineup and even play four guards right or or play a guy i, I haven't seen jalen bridges play a lot i know he didn't play well tonight could they short roll him and have him make plays or is that not his deal no
3: i don't think he's i don't think he's really that guy yeah he's he's a pick and pop guy more than he is a uh someone that can kind
4: of play that playmaking the, role at the yeah, he, he, he was the guy that had been given him i mean 16 points and six rebounds a game like he was the guy that you know, kind of that got taken out of the game because of the hedge. You know, the guards couldn't get him the ball, Um, so he didn't get. You know, he wasn't as productive as he had been early in the this early in the season. Yeah, I don't I, know, I, know if you I, guys I, are, are, are watching, watching this right now. Many, everybody went away from not everybody, but most. You know, a majority of programs went away from hard hedging. Like we, we still did it uh we we dropped in the you know we dropped more in the past but it was it's just to stay out of rotation because the, the three-point shot has become such a such a an emphasis uh team switch or ice or you know for them for virginia and tony and the way he coaches in their system and for them to stick with it and still be able to hard hedge like that is I mean, it's impressive. How,
3: how hard is that to do? You mentioned that people have kind of gone away from it, right? Like, how how hard is it to do that? Is it something where – is that why it takes so long for guys to kind of figure out what they're doing in, in that pack line system?
4: I, I think so, just because um, nowadays, you know, the biggest question most, most coaches are trying to figure out is what to do against the switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because you don't want your guards dancing with the basketball – you don't want to sit there and stare down, you know. Big on small matchup on the inside, and the other team, you know, you're 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 telegraphing what you're looking at against the switch. Uh, the ice has been has become a thing, and I think coaches have gotten pretty good at, at attacking the ice when you get, you know, you can't get to the middle of the court. But um, you know, the heart, the hedge is kind of UConn does it. I mean, Connecticut, like Bob, Coach Hurley, is he's re- he's religious with it. He's gonna stay with it. And like I said, coach Bennett is, is, is like, he's not changing. Why would he, he won a national championship doing it? <laughs> and, but, uh, but some people that used to do it, don't do it as much anymore. It used to be the way we played like religiously when I was an assistant at Butler, we, it was hard to hedge everything on the sides in the middle. Uh, but over time, you know, you just, you're trying to eliminate rotations and threes. Don't you think the rule changes kind of hurt
1: that too, coach? with some of the cylinder stuff and I mean with pressing trapping any of that's I, I just think it's so hard now it's you can get your guys in foul trouble so easily yeah like
4: Robbie you guys used to do it man. we hedged everything yeah and now paint has those giants in drop. the middle so they can't get out there Yeah, <laughs> exactly and move so they drop or ice and, and keep those guys in the paint
1: yep yep no I think right, I so- think it's a combo of all those
0: things sorry Rob go ahead Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: No, we're, so we're watching the end of this uh, Illinois-UCLA game, and Illinois is taking a 10-point lead uh terrence shannon 29 points 10 boards he is eight for nine from three he's looking like a young robbie Hummel out there uh we're going to get to that when this game ends i do just want to kind of ask you guys real quick big picture we saw kansas struggle a little bit tonight with with southern utah we saw texas the other night go out and and pound gonzaga right Uh, kansas obviously beat duke in the champions classic where do you stand on on who the best team in that conference is Do you still think it's Kansas? Is it Texas now? Is uh, is there too much overreacting going on to these small sample sizes? Robbie, where do you stand on the best team in the Big 12?
1: Right now, I think it's Texas. I think their depth. I think their guards. Um, I I just think that Chris Beard can throw so many different combinations of players out there. And the way they guard you, not that Kansas isn't, you know, they're going to be really good, too. um, But I I think that I don't think Kansas has near the amount of guys that that can be thrown out there. They've got to. I think their their best five is good, but I do worry about the bench some for for the Kansas Jayhawks. But I I really think Texas has dudes on top of dudes on that
3: roster. Yeah, Kansas got four points off their bench tonight. Laval, let me ask you this: I texted you guys about this before. One of the things that people like me that gamble way too much look for are are trap games, right? Where you're coming off of a uh, coming off of a big win, or you have a big matchup coming up in their in your next game, or coming up in the future. Um, and you're going up against a team like a Southern Utah after winning in the Champions Classic and right before – I think they leave tomorrow for the battle for Atlantis. So how how much does that actually impact a locker room? Is that something that you've seen in your experiences where it's kind of hard maybe to
4: get up for a game like that? Yeah, as much as you – hate, I mean, you're fighting it, Rob, right? Like the, the those games and the game right before Christmas break, like mm-hmm. we'd always tell our guys, hey, listen – we can't be running, you know. We can't be running for the bus here. Like we gotta, we gotta play, because the other team's excited to play. Um, and so you're, you're fighting human nature, right? And especially now with social media and all the, everybody's talking about the battle for Atlantis or the next game, or they're still patting you on the back about a big win, you know, the other night against Duke um and, and so as much as you're trying to emphasize staying present staying in the moment being where your feet are um you know it's hard they're 18 to 22 year old kids and so you're just trying to keep them focused on you know and 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 you don't want to be one of those teams that thinks they can turn it on and turn it off right you're just trying to battle against uh against that as much as possible Robert did you deal with
1: that at all yeah. The Christmas break thing is so real because <laughs> everybody's <laughs> excited to go home and see their family. Um, and I think as a player, you, you get, you get excited about the games against the best teams on national television. And when you're playing a directional school or whoever, um, you know, some some of the lesser opponents, I will say, especially when you've got some big games sandwiched, like, like Kansas did tonight um, that, that can be tough. That can be tough. But I think that's where you have to lean on your veterans and guys who have been there. And, understand kind of what the deal is where when you lose these games it really hurts you come ncaa tournament time when you're trying to get a high seed and you know make the ncaa tournament or or whatever situation your team finds itself in um every game is important you lose to a team in the 300 of ken pom it's a killer on your resume um but with that being said you you know at at times even in the big 10 like i swear to god we played at penn state on every break they had possible And not that they have great crowds there anyway. They're a football school. Um, You play there on Christmas break. You play there on President's Weekend. That place is empty. And you got to really manufacture your own energy because you're going out there. You're used to playing at Michigan State, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin. These places have big-time juice. And sometimes you roll into the Bryce Jordan Center and there'd be a thousand people there.
3: (laughs) That's why they kept picking off, uh, picking off people um, at the end of the Big Ten season. All right. I'm going to stick in the Big Ten for one second before we get into this Illinois game, because I told you guys I was going to ask you this. Uh, Hunter Dickinson earlier this week, uh, I think it was right before they played Arizona State. Michigan did. He said on a podcast, um, we're going to beat Arizona State by 20. Right. They come out. They lay an egg. Uh, Michigan lost. I, I don't know what the final score was. They were down they by got thirty, 30 Yeah, they, they were down by thirty in the second <laughs> half. Laval, if that happens and you're the head coach, <laughs> what what are you doing? How, yeah, how do you how I'm do you sure. handle that
4: situation? I, look, I, I listen. Is as long as I've been playing or coaching, and Robbie, you, you know, as a player and Coach Painter, I'm sure you're trying no bulletin board material. Like we we don't need to give another team extra motivation. And and so as a coach, you're trying not to say anything that, that they could use and put up in their locker room to use as motivation. You're definitely not, you know, allowing your players to say, and, and and now it's hard, right? Guys can have their own podcast. They can have their own, you know, they've got NIL stuff and they're doing and, but, you know, just typically it's like, we, we got to stay away from, giving them any extra, like they're already motivated to beat Michigan. It's it's Arizona state, it's Michigan, they're a ranked team, a ranked opponent. They can get a top 25 win. That's enough. And now if you come out and say, we're going to beat them at 20. Um, and so as a coach, you're, you're just patrolling your team as best you can to not allow. And when you have a maturity about your group, you know, that they, they won't do that stuff. So I'm sure <laughs> I would imagine afterwards, uh, Coach Howard and, and Hunter probably had a conversation uh, about not, you know, doing anything to ignite another group, you know, for the rest of the season.
1: <laughs> it's it's so funny to me because when I was at Purdue, we were banned from Twitter in season. And think about it. So Coach Paint was afraid that we would offend or bu- get some bulletin board material in 60 characters. And now you've got guys that have their own podcast. And that's great because they can make money off it. Um, I, I guess, you know, Draymond Green has kind of set the standard for having not just post-game media, but now media at all times. Um, and I think that that's kind of flowed over to college. But I can only imagine the conversation that was had because I you can't really take it away from him because it will be used against you recruiting. Right, coach? Wouldn't that be, hey, well, you know, Hunter had a podcast and. And then they take it away from him. I would think that that, unless he's doing totally egregious things,
3: yeah, no, uh, like gonna saying that they're going to win by twenty and then they go and get thirty. No, no, that's pretty gonna... bad. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty bad. Well, I mean, but I'm sure he's it. just
1: telling him tone it down. Like you just yeah. have your podcast, have fun, but do not make predictions on how many points you're going to have <laughs> or how how much we're going to win by or any of that stuff.
4: Yeah, no, no question. Like we don't need any any prediction. I, Coaches don't like preseason rankings. We yeah. don't like predictions. Like, n- none of that. We just want to focus on practice, get better today, and, like, <laughs> and go out and be the best version of ourselves tonight. But but yeah. they already Michigan's a top 25 team. Frankie Collins transferred from Michigan to Arizona. Yeah, State there's teams. already plenty out there for that. He's, he's to be ready to get to back him. at Michigan, so. you know, just because he left there and he wants to prove that he should have been playing. Like, there's enough going on <laughs> already. We don't need extra.
3: All right, so uh, Illinois is now up 10 with a minute left. I feel confident enough to say this game is probably over at this point. Uh, I bet UCLA minus three and a half. I think that that bet's probably dead. And uh, my daddy Brad really stuck it to me on that one. If you guys want that shirt, get to feel the 68.shop. There's a guy wearing the daddy Brad shirt behind the bench, uh, which is part of the reason why I'm so excited for this win right now. Let's let's. So let's talk about it. Assuming Wait, that what's the it shirt with...
1: daddy brad for? Why, why is it daddy brad?
3: I, I don't remember why it happened. Um, but uh Greg Waddell, who was one of the hosts on the field of 68 and the field of 12, um, is a Michigan friend, Michigan fan. And at one point he said, I look, I have to I have to say that Brad Underwood is my father, he's my daddy Brad. And Illinois fans took that and ran with it. And now we've uh, sold a whole bunch of shirts to Illinois fans. And there's a guy wearing one behind the bench right now as Illinois is picking up a win, uh, assuming they're going to close this thing out against number eight UCLA Terrence Shannon. Right, you I, I want to start with this. Okay. Yeah. Terrence Shannon, 29, eight for nine from three. They keep talking about how this dude woke up every day at four 20 in the morning to get in the gym and shoot a thousand threes at four 45 in the morning. Like, that's kind of unnecessary, right? Like you can, you can get the same amount of work in at waking up at like six or six 30. Do you really need to wake up at four 20 in the morning? Like, is that, that, that's a little bit of overkill, right? That's I a guess little it, crazy.
1: De- it depends on what he was doing the rest of the day, right? If he had class from like nine to nine, then yeah, Well, maybe. They pra- well
3: here's here's the. So, there's the, the, no way this dude was in class at <laughs> Illinois from the. Come on, Robbie. The, yeah.
1: the work at two p.m. is the same as the work at at four a.m. Exactly. You, you don't have to get up at four twenty. Yeah, what yeah. are you doing here? If, maybe well, they, it was like well, a discipline well, type thing. Like here's the thing. I know I went over
4: to watch those guys practice, so they practice at seven a.m. So he's he's getting his work in before practice starts. And then they got, they have the rest of the day for class and everything after that. But, but when I was there at their practice, I went and I talked to Brad afterwards, I watched their team. I really thought Jay Nepps was, could be somebody that could really help them as I, you know, he, he can score. He like had a great day at practice that day. He scored the ball, but, and I went around to about 20 practices. You know, it's what coaches, when you're in a transition year and, you you go around and watch people you 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 think are good and respect and and go you know just try to learn and steal some things, and Terrence Shannon was the most dynamic athlete I saw at at any of the college practices I went to, and I told Brad I said he should live at the foul line. Now he's shooting ten free throws a game on the year, which is insane. Like four mm-hmm. four free throws a game is a good number. Six is elite. We had Nick Stouses at Michigan. He was Big Ten Player of the Year. He shot six free throws a game. That's elite. 10 is like out of this world. If he's going to do that and make threes, like tell me what you're going to do to prepare for Terrence Shannon.
1: Well, and in transition, he is just a nightmare because of those those tools that you talked about, coach. He he is, he's a big time player and he's definitely added the jump shot to his game. Cause I I don't, not that he couldn't make a shot at Texas tech from the perimeter, but not like this. I mean, going eight of nine from three in a game, I thought, you know who came in and impacted the game in a big way was Sincere Harris. He, when they went on that little run of pressing and all of a sudden UCLA looked like a fourth grade team breaking the press, he was out there. He was dogging the ball handler and it just, that changed the game. The second that UCLA got a little bit casual with that, it's like the Illinois pressure just had worn them down so much to the point where it, it just opened the floodgates. And after that, it was never the same. It, it just... I'm really Mm -hmm. impressed with the way that Illinois hung in there because they really struggled into the first half, but their pressure wore UCLA down. And I'm honestly really surprised considering that Tiger Campbell is the head of the snake there breaking that press. Mm -hmm.
4: Illinois is going to pull this thing out with turning the ball over 21 times themselves, which is normally if you turn it over 21 times, you're not winning. Yes. Uh, They turned it over
3: 21 times and they gave up 17 offensive rebounds and they're going to beat the number eight team in the country um by by nine points that is and, and not UCLA
1: shot 41 percent from three
3: <laughs> yeah that's not something that you see every day and I think it's a testament to what um one Terrence Shannon's performance and two what this team uh can be I, I said all all summer long that I thought that of all the teams in the Big Ten Illinois had the highest ceiling right when they are at their best Robbie I don't know if there's a team that is better than them when they're at their best my issue is You never know when they're going to be at their best. Matthew Meyer was famously inconsistent at Baylor, right? Coleman Hawkins, you are on record saying that he's only good against directional schools. He came in averaging, I think, a double-double. He had five points, five boards. He actually had seven assists. He he did some really good things
1: while also doing some things that make you just shake your head. He he has a lot of ability. I've never doubted that. I just think that sometimes he doesn't put it all together. Um, Matt Meyer tonight, 11 points, four rebounds, five assists. You will take that every night and sign up for because he has been about as inconsistent as, as you could see him being coming into this season. They're they're deep. Their pressure can be a killer. It can wear you down. I think Terrence Chan is going to be one of the best players in the big 10 this year. Think about how little we've talked about RJ Melendez. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's like right now their fifth or sixth guy, which is crazy considering I think his ability level. Um, but these young guards, you know, Jaden F can really, really score.
3: Scott Clark did some really good things.
1: Yeah, totally. I, I just – their roster, I agree with you. I think Indiana's experience makes me say that they are the best team right now. But if you're talking about ceiling, Illinois has got to be right there at the top of the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. well, here's we'll get-
4: the question, that, Rob, I got for you is, like, and when, as, as this, as basketball is played today, you know, I think it comes down to versatility. So like what Illinois has, if you got a big, big guy, they can throw Dana Danger in there and he can battle. He can go down there and wrestle the bear. If you are mobile and small ball, they can put Coleman Hawkins in and they can, they can play Terrence Shannon at the four and they can switch everything. They can put Ty Rogers in the game. If you got small quick guards, like their freshman guards are going to get better. I just think they have a defensive versatility that a lot of other teams might not have. Like, if you can only play one way, you, you know, that limits your ceiling, if, if that makes sense.
3: No, it does And I think that was the issue with Illinois when they had Kofi, right? They had no option to go away from him. And part of it was because you're looking at a guy that was one of what, like the five best players in college basketball. He averaged 21 and 10, right? So it's not like he was a bad basketball player. But when, you're, when you have to have him on the floor, it means that, Teams in the tournament can do things like what Cameron Crutwood did, right? They, they pull him away from the basket and make them have to defend in space, and that was not Kofi Coburn's strength because if it was, he wouldn't have lasted more than a year. Um, Rob, college. before before we move on, do you know what
1: Dane Danger is on the season from the field? From, yeah, he's
3: he's what is he shooting like seventy? I don't know the percentage.
1: Like I don't know the percentage, but he <laughs> is thirty of thirty five from the field. Very good. <laughs> He's shooting like 85%. That's Maybe ridiculous. higher. It might be higher than that, actually. Was that Plus, including, they, is that five. including
3: six for six tonight?
1: Yes, that's counting the six for six tonight. That, that, 30 that of is, 35. I should he can move. Did you know he was shooting like that? 85%. No, I, it, yeah. he was kind of handling it tonight, too.
2: It, but, yeah, no he's a dancing bear.
4: Yeah, no so, doubt. dancing bear. The other team, like I went and watch Michigan State practice. Like, they have the same thing. Like, they can play Joey Hauser at the five but which, which kind of changes things up for them. Like, it's not always going to be Maddie. I went to Purdue. Like, they can go small and play Mason Gillis and Caleb first, the four yep. and the five, or they can be huge with Edie. Like, I think that presents. And, and so I don't know. Indiana is like, Trace is, is extremely versatile, Like right? And and they can go a little bit smaller. I don't know if they have it in the same manner as, as Illinois, but I do think you know, they're a tough matchup. So I, here here's a question I
3: have for you guys, right? I think after watching that game um, that I I can feel comfortable saying that Illinois is going to be at the bare minimum, a, a good defensive team, right? Seeing what they can do when they throw on that press, seeing the way that they flustered a guy that I think we all agree is one of the best point guards and one of the, the, the calmest and most savvy point guards in the country and Tiger Campbell, seeing the way that they can switch. Um, I, I, I feel comfortable saying they're going to be a, a good defensive team that can has the chance to be really, really good. Uh, They have some guys coming in that weren't necessarily considered great defenders, right? Like, I don't think anyone ever looked at Sky Clark and said that guy is going to be a ball hawk defensively, right? Matthew Meyer, part of the reason he's not at Baylor is because defense was optional at times when he was on the floor, right? I don't know if Coleman Hawkins was ever a guy that was really at the level that you thought he should be given his physical tools defensively. So my question, Laval, when you have a a group of guys that maybe weren't great individual defenders, how hard is it to get them to kind of come together and then all of a sudden to become this unit
4: that I mean it worked, it worked defensively tonight, right? You, you, I just have you ever been to a Brad Underwood practice? <laughs> I, I have not, I, I but have. I can imagine what it's like. They're, they're Robbie, insane. Been, I experienced I experienced it. I mean, I don't think there's gonna be an option in terms of yeah. effort, defend or, not, or don't play. <laughs> and so they, you know, Matt, Matt Myers in there, there's a little bit of culture shock there. It's just different than than playing for Scott Drew. But I think like you look at Purdue, right? And they, they've got over the past few years, like when Robbie was there, they had, they had defensive players and, and versatility. And, and you came through with Rayfield Davis. Now that they, they've got, they've had more offensive players recently, you know, I would say in uh, this year, even with Braden Smith, Foster Lawyer, like those guys, but paint's going to, He's gonna challenge him. And so I, I just I, I love that by the way,
3: by the way, Laval, I love that you basically just said that, that when Robbie Hummel was there, all Purdue had was good defensive players. And then no, he not was,
4: all. You know,
1: <laughs> it was good no, all no, but we were it. we were I mean you look at the defense that you had Jack on the board, like it's hard to get the ball up the
4: court against Luja. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> we were we
1: were much better defensively than when we were offensively. And now Payne, I think they practice offense a heck of a lot more than <laughs> not maybe not this year, but last yeah. year.
5: Last and it's hard, to score.
4: it's hard to score like you don't want to be the team that can't score the i live that as like if you can't score points it, it makes life difficult we were talking about virginia earlier right like so they're gonna it, and and those guys are gonna get in line or they, they probably won't play for coach underwood um you know and and they got enough depth where and that's the real key is if you have enough depth you can hold everybody accountable to the standard all right, and and when you get stuck is when you don't have depth, and you got to you're playing guys even though they're not performing the way you need them to perform on one on that end of the court.
1: But on top of All that, right. too, coach, before you go, Rob, I mean, Matt Meyer and Coleman Hawkins have every physical tool to be a good defensive player. Matt Meyer is really athletic. Coleman Hawkins is really athletic and really long. And I think when the standard of the team, you know, if Terrence Chan is your best player and he's setting the tone, hawking the ball. And doing that, and when you have your coach, Brad Underwood, who's demanding you do it or you just don't play, you either move along with what's going on or you sit on the bench.
3: Mm -hmm. All right, I want to talk about UCLA real quick just because um, I think that it deserves some mention. Uh, Jeff Goodman famously picked them to win the national title uh about two weeks ago i don't know if he's still going to do that at this point he's probably going to be all in on illinois and try to claim that that, that was his team from <laughs> the beginning oh, wow. of the season um tiger campbell nine for 23 jaime hawkins eight for 22 they had nobody else on the floor get more than well i guess david david singleton had 15 but i think he had a couple of threes late uh, are you worried about this group at all i mean amari bailey oh for five really didn't have an impact um jalen clark kind of came back to earth after a hot start to the season coach are you worried about them
4: not, not necessarily. It, again, Mick's, Mick's got a standard and he's got a level of demand for those guys. They're going to be in games defensively. I, I think they have a, a really good point guard and a coach that demands defense. So that, for me, gives you a sense of comfort. And then they've got some matchup, you know, problem. I think J, Jalen Clark's like his jump, you know, in the first few g- games from what he was doing in the last two years of his career has been impressive. He didn't do it tonight. Um, and I think that's a learning lesson for him. Uh, so I think all the, all these teams like your UCLA right now, they're learning about themselves and learning about themselves against top level teams in the country. Um, and, and which will be beneficial when they get the pack 12 play. Um, you know, I think Tiger for him to have to take 20 shots is not their norm. Uh, you don't want that. Like his, his,
3: his strength is not being the bucket getter, right? His strength is setting the table for everybody else.
4: Right, and so I think they get better from this game in terms of their team efficiency on the offensive end of the court. Um, You know, them being able to break a press, you know, and be be commanding against the press, uh, they they won't struggle as much as in in the future. But it's it's a lot of learning. Less like there's no, you lose a game, which is which is not ideal. You don't want to lose these games, but it's more you're learning about your your team. They're learning about their young guys, their freshmen, Amari Bailey, and and guys like that. And so they'll have – it's just feedback for the future. I think they're, they'll be fine. You agree, Robbie?
1: Yeah. I, I just have a hard time saying that they're in trouble after losing to a team, the caliber of Illinois, um, on a neutral floor. I think they have things to figure out. I think they have youth on the floor with, with Bona and, and Bailey. Um, but, no, I, I'm not worried about them. I think they have a really – You good guys coach. are they too really
3: level-headed. Good. You guys are too level-headed. All – I'll fire out the hot takes. All right, I've, UCLA <laughs> one needs,
1: game they lost to a good team. Like what? But they
3: they need they need a third guy that can go kind of create something, right? Because I think Jaime Hawkins is. You don't want him to be your lead scorer. I don't think. I think he's best is kind of like that complementary. But he player. hasn't been on the season, right? Now, Clark's Jalen Clark's been, leading him in scoring. game. Yeah. but it, so is. Do you trust Jalen in a situation like this to be the guy that you give the ball to and go go get a shot? Because he took eight shots tonight, and the other two guys took more than twenty. Right. So I think I think it's one Amari Bailey. He's a freshman. Right. Got to give him some time to kind of get there. And Adam Bona is a guy that needs to be better than the impact that he had tonight. I think he was five points, two boards, three shot attempts. Right. So I, I think that there are certain places where you can see this where this team needs to improve. And they have pieces that can get there because they're freshmen and the freshmen are only going to get end up getting better. Uh, but I, I'm a little i watch watched them play there and it feels like they're a little bit limited and may, and yes, that's overreaction to one game, but that's what I do. That's my specialty here. It,
4: here's what, what makes it tough is when you play and when teams start switching, right. And so now you end up tiger taking 20 shots and Jaime taking 20, cause you're, cause you got a big one, you got a matchup and you start, you kind of get out of your, your flow of your offense because, and those guys are old and they want to win and they, you know, they're trying to, to take it over. So like I said, I think they'll they'll learn from it and be better to attack some matchups in a different way, so that it's not, you know, outside of the flow of what they what they traditionally do. Coach, can you elaborate a little bit on why a switching defense
3: takes people out of the offense and 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 what? That yeah, does, you, what you know what
4: happen. happens. You're, you're trying to coach your your so you're switching defense, and you're gonna have you know you're gonna have matchups where the players also know it. That, I mean, they're, they're smart guys and they play basketball for a long time. So if you have a big-on-small matchup on the inside, You what you don't want is is guys staring down and telegraphing because you know you got a big against a guard in the post. And, and now you get stagnant and everybody stands around and there's no movement, no player movement, and you're just looking at the big. And, and the other team knows what you're looking for. The other thing is your guard's got a big on him somewhere on the perimeter, and you don't want that guy to dance and dribble and try to – you know, he knows mm-hmm. he's got a bigger, slower, maybe – you know, guy on him. And now but but what happens in both scenarios is is everything stops and all, everybody's looking at one player trying to attack a matchup, which isn't, you know, isn't it isn't the normal flow of, of what you're doing and what you want. Um and, and so it's hard. And when a team can like Illinois, like I said, they have versatility when they can do it and disrupt you. Um it, it's why it's hard to play against Villanova. They switch and disrupt, and now you're you end up playing one on one, which is not ideal.
3: Yep. Robbie. We have a question in the chat for you from Connor Stewart. He said, Indiana, damn near lost to Xavier. How is Illinois not the top Big Ten team, you clown? So that's a perfect transition to get into Indiana. Uh, they survived. They were up by – I think they were up by eight with two minutes left and ended up hanging on to win by two uh, and knock off um, knock off Xavier. Uh, what did you see from Indiana tonight? How impressed were with Trace Jackson Davis? Is this a team going in, knocking off Xavier in a uh, – in a building that I think doesn't get enough respect. Yeah, Citizen is great. Hard place yeah, to proud what it is. But what, what's your take on Indiana?
1: You know, the first couple games, the balance was really impressive. And tonight, that was not the case. Xavier Johnson and Trace Jackson Davis were awesome. Um, and Malik Renew, I thought, was was really, really good. And outside of that, boy, it was slim pickings. Uh, Miller Cop, who struggled most of the game, made a big three late, made some big free throws. Um, but I, I think for this team to be really good, they've got to make some threes and tonight they only shot 12 of them and they only made four of them. So that, that's definitely a concern. Um, but in in fairness, it is their first road game. You go into a tough environment. Um, not that Xavier is a top 25 team, but has some pieces Is a really well coached team with Sean Miller. Um, and I think anyone at Xavier, I, I played there in college. It's a tough place to play. Um, that, that's, that's a really good win for Indiana, but I do worry that, you know, when, the, when the things get tough, is this going to be just Trace Jackson Davis and Xavier Johnson?
4: Coach. Yeah. I, I was impressed with Xavier Johnson to, yes. to be honest, just his, uh, his poise. I thought he played like, you know, a veteran player. Trace, I, man, hey, he's just a hard man. <laughs> I mean, Jack Nungey, I just, I just watched Jack Nungey the other night against, uh, Fairfield, I th- I, and I consider Jack a good defensive big. And Trace made it look easy. Um,
1: don't you think they kind of helped? They did help Trace Jackson. They're diving through passing lanes. They're letting yeah, him they get g- through his left they hand a little too they're, much. they're letting him spin baseline. Like the, yeah, I thought, it, the scouting it, report on Trace was not followed as well as it as it could have been.
4: As it could have been. Here's what makes him tough, though: is that he doesn't have to have the ball deep in the paint, right? So now he can catch it. You know, fifteen feet, seventeen feet, face up, and he's he's tremendous on the baseline. Like I, I don't know how he navigates down there sometime without stepping out of bounds. Uh, and so that makes him difficult. the The bigger concern is is more, you know, what Robbie just said. They still only made four threes, uh, and they and they got out of there, you know, uh, alive. And that's a t- that's a big win. That's a hard place to play. It's a good win. Um, you know, can they get more? perimeter. I thought Shafino, for Shafino to be a freshman and have four assists to one, one turnover is impressive. I know he was only one for nine from the floor, but you know, their guard play I think is going to dictate, you know, down the stretch. Can They're
1: going to play in transition too. I mean, with Xavier Johnson's ability to push the tempo, their personnel is built to run this year. And I think that that's going to be something that when their offense does bog down, they can get out and and use that, that length and athleticism.
3: I want to talk a little bit about uh, Malik Renault because 16 points, six boards off the bench. He had an assist. I thought he made a couple nice passes. Um, I did not expect him to come in and have this kind of an impact. And I think that eventually he's gonna end up taking over for for Race Thompson. I just think that it looks like the offense moves better. It looks like the ball moves better. Um, he just seems like a more skilled piece to kind of fit in. And I think he kind of changes Robbie what their ceiling can be. You must not have watched their
1: first couple games then, because <laughs> no, he was balling okay. those too. Um, well, I,
3: I who, who were they? Who were they playing?
1: Well, yeah, Bethune Cookman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think Morehead State was their first game. Uh, this this was a different level of competition. But his his skill set for his size, he can score with both hands around the basket. He can step out and shoot. He can handle it. Um, he, he made a couple of plays tonight that you don't expect freshmen to make in their first road game. Um, even the last play of the game, he's the guy that's coming over and getting a contest on, uh, on, on Kunkel's shot okay. at the rim. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just think I, I, t- I agree with you on nights where race Thompson's not shooting it. Great. You very well might see him end a game. He he made, it was a great design by Mike Woodson. Um, but Xavier went two three zone and trace sealed the left side of the zone. And they flashed renew right to the elbow and he made one drive or one dribble and just a little lob to Trace Jackson Davis for an easy bucket when they needed it. But it was a big time pass by by a freshman on the road. Um, mm-hmm. He's a talented kid, and i I think he's going to be in position to, to finish games for Indiana at times this year.
3: Yeah, Laval. I said in the uh, at the beginning of the season, I thought Xavier was going to end up being a top twenty team mm-hmm. in college basketball uh, and a team that could compete for the Big Ten title. Or, I'm sorry, the Big East title. And I kind of still believe that after after seeing them play here but i'm a little bit worried about the fact that they it did not seem like they had any their their best players are the bigs right jack Nungie and Zach Fremantle. Yes. and indiana kind of got whatever they wanted in the paint i think part of the reason they only took 12 threes was like why would you take a three when trace jackson davis gets a layup anytime he At touches 30, the ball anytime 30. he wants to yeah.
1: but who outside of yukon has got bigs like i mean in the big East like that.
3: Calc Brenner does, is, okay. is okay. But uh, he's, he's not going to. Oh, yeah. Okay. and right. Eric, Eric Dixon, I think might actually be Villanova's best player. We can get to that in a second, but uh, it's just, that's a yeah. little bit of a red flag to me.
4: Yeah. I, I don't, I don't worry about, you know, Sean's challenging defensively. That's where they, they've got to grow from last season to this season. And um, they're going to score like, and Kobe Jones is their best perimeter decision maker at this point. And he's not their point guard, but he's averaging, you know, six. He has six assists tonight, I think. And um, he's averaging seven on the year. You know, I think late what you saw was they had no timeouts. They're going to be in games because their bigs will keep them in it. And they got enough late. They had no timeouts. And so now you you saw Sean, uh, Sule Boom came and he dribbled. He was trying to dribble hand off to Kunkel. He fell down. And they ended up getting a turnover there. And it's like, that's a possession where if the coach and the point guard have been together, if you have a point guard, one, like a a, a natural point guard. And if the coach and the point guard have been together and have to have a relationship, you know, that that that's grown over time, that probably doesn't happen. Right. And so they get it. They at least get a shot. They were down one. Uh, and then they turned it over and had to file now with 20 something seconds to go, or whatever. I think that that was that's their main deal late in the game, like bigs. I think your bigs can keep you in it, but when uh, under two minutes, you got to have some guards that are going to make some, make good decisions and make some plays, you know, but two minutes, a minute and a half to go. And I think that's their, like who, who's that going to be for them?
3: Um, Robbie Humble just texted me something. Uh, according to ESPN stats and info. <laughs> oh, like there was
1: tweeted at me. Terrence, Terrence
3: Shannon is the first Big Ten player with at least twenty five points, ten rebounds, and seven three pointers in a game since. Since who, Robbie? Do you remember this?
1: Yes, I do. But we lost, actually, which is what's crazy.
3: <laughs> so humble, humble did it in twenty ten against Ohio State. He texted me that he said, "You better say this or I'm quitting. I'm leaving the program. I'm leaving the show." In the, morning. I had to get
1: my offensive rep back after it was questioned <laughs> on a defensive program.
3: All right. So you mentioned Villanova. Um, they uh, they went into the Breslin Center and they were down. I think they were down by 18 at one point in the second half and came all the way back. Eric Dixon had a shot to win on a, what was a pretty ugly play. Um, Laval, what do you what do you make of this group? You probably know Villanova better than than either of us. Uh, what are you are you concerned about them? Is this just a result of no Justin Moore um, and no? I'm blanking on the name of the freshman um, with the the Cam thumb. Cam Whitmore. Yeah, Cam Whitmore. Is that just a result of not having two of maybe their three best players, or I think that there is a bigger issue because I don't know if there's a point guard on this team necessarily. What do you what do you make of Villanova this year and, and kind of moving forward this season?
4: Yeah, they had the point guard thing happen during COVID when Colin Gillespie got hurt. Justin Moore mm-hmm. had to take over. Um, they're down Justin Moore. If Villanova, you know the the difficult thing about them for all the years that I coached against them is you just they just firepower. I mean, it was coming like the first, my first year in the Big East. It was Bridget, Malik, Brid, Mikael Bridges and DiVincenzo and, and Jalen Brunson and, and Eric Pasco and Amari Spellman. What
3: do you do with a team like that? And yeah. it was like,
4: we had to score 100. We had to score 101 to beat them. We beat them at our place. They were number one in the country. Mm-hmm. And essentially, it was like, let's score as much as we can because I don't know if we can stop them from scoring. So we beat them 101 to 96, right? Um, but there, and then we go up there and, and we were doing pretty well. And then DiVincenzo comes off the bench and goes for 30. The next year they struggled. They lost all those guys and they had Phil Booth. Uh, and he was kind of, he was playing point guard. Gillespie was still young. Um, but they still kind of found a way and that's like, they found a way to get back in the game tonight. I think this is more like that team, um, versus, then when Gillespie and Justin Moore came in and they had a little more firepower, like when they have firepower because they play through the post and they all post up and and they can kick out threes and get you in the closeout. But if they make eight three, like they made eight three to threes tonight, and Eric Dixon hit three of them, that's not traditionally what Villanova is. <laughs> you know, they they've got perimeter players that you you got to run off the line and try to stay and stay out of closeouts. And so right. I think they'll be in games defensively. It'll be like tonight down the stretch with, especially until Justin Moore comes back, where are we going, you know, for that, for that big possession when we need one down the stretch. You yep. I'm being told
3: right now that we are going to be able to get uh, Terrence Shannon live on the show before we end probably within the next 10 minutes or so. Uh, so we're going to hang out until then, Robbie, I want to ask you about Michigan state. Um, I had, Next to no expectation for them this season. I thought that that uh, nit was kind of like Dang. a possibility. Maybe maybe <laughs> I'm maybe I'm an idiot,
4: wow, right? That's and a
1: hateful I, comment. There, so I hateful. guess
4: I, I'm in a different club. I went to their practice, so I got a, a little bit of a advantage because when I went, I was not in that camp. I thought,
3: well, I wish you would have told me that before I lost many money betting <laughs> on them against Gonzaga and oh, against God. Kentucky. So uh, here's why though: they got guards. See that—that's my thing. Like right? Michigan go, I didn't Michigan I did runs into know.
4: Arizona State, and Arizona State got has three quick guards, mm-hmm. and they can't keep up. They're trying to catch them all night. Michigan State has guards like Tyson Walker, AJ, like, and then now did the Jay Nakins, but they got enough guard play. And so
3: I, but I didn't expect their guards to be like I didn't expect Tyson Walker to be as good as he's been this season. What he had, he had like sixteen and six tonight.
4: AJ Holgar near had, 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 had a triple 22. double. 22, twenty
1: two, yeah. Tyson Walker at twenty two and five. When I was
4: at practice, AJ came up to AJ told me he's like, Coach, they're not gonna be able to go under on me this year. And he was three for six tonight from three. Dang, like he he they, he like made he him made pay. Him a point to come up and say, Hey, like, cause he's got great pace and the body and he can pass, but he came up to me, he's like, Coach, they're not going under on me this year. I promise you. I, I do remember
1: a I do remember a play tonight where they were going under on him at like the foul line. <laughs> so he did not make him pay though. If you go three for six, that that's that's enough. Uh,
3: About scoop, uh, scoop gave him the best nickname. He, his name is AJ
4: Hogard. He calls him AJ Goes Hard. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, nice. That's pretty good. That is good. That's good. I think bad. him being uh, coaches are being trusting him a lot more allows Tyson Walker to be off the ball and go score like he did tonight. Because uh, Tyson, in, last year, Tyson was the point. They came in and beat us at Butler, but Tyson was the point guard. A.J. was the backup point guard. They, they the kind of, they alternated. Yeah, right, Coach? Yeah, they, they were, and now they... I think their best version of themselves is A.J. running the point and Tyson getting loose and, and going to get buckets and, and score the basketball. Mm-hmm. And he Robbie... made big
1: shots against Kentucky. I mean, he made big shots tonight. All of a sudden, this game kind of went from a little bit of a slog to the last four minutes, it was just like, Big time shot, big time shot, both, both teams trading, making big time plays. I, I worried a little bit about Joey Hauser and Malik Hall just being more consistent. And so far they've been that. And we talked about the guards. They've been really good. Um, this is the game where Madi Sissoko came back down to earth from what he's been playing at. Uh, he had one point, you know, took two shots, had three rebounds. Um,
4: They went went small a lot. If one of those guards gets in foul trouble, the other one can go to point guard. Right, right. You can move that over. I I had the Xavier game the other night. Kobe Jones wasn't playing because he had an ankle injury. And Fairfield's up at halftime because what Xavier – what are we doing when Kobe Jones is out? If A.J. Hoggart goes down for some reason, you still have Tyson Walker. Illinois, like if if Sky Clark goes down, you still have Jaden Epps. You you know, you still have another – So I think sometimes – that's a big thing that, that people don't talk about in terms of your versatility and your depth. The thing I, I really like about them is we mentioned the
3: the the versatility in lineups that, that Illinois can provide, right? If you want to go big, you can play those lineups of Marty Sissoko with the five. If you want to go small, I think we've seen enough from Malik Hall and Joey Hauser to to believe that they can hold their own. Against pretty much anybody,
1: I think them. that's that's personnel based. They're not doing that shit against Purdue. They're not doing that shit against.
4: Oh, 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 for sure, yeah, absolutely. But but it was in a different think, category, though. <laughs> no, no, know. no I don't match
1: they'll up. up Robbie, what, that what I'm saying they'll is, see them twice. I mean, they'll play them two times. And what I'm saying think... is, it
2: it
3: allows you to match up with some of these other teams without having a drop off in talent. You know what I'm saying? Like you, yeah, you can totally, still have. Totally. My biggest concern is teams where you don't have your five best players on the floor at all times or your your best offensive lineup and your best defensive lineup is like four different players, right? I think with Michigan State, there you're, there really is no best five, at least from what I can see so far. Is that fair to say? They have like seven guys that that can all kind of mix and match and, and put together really good lineups.
1: Now, I would say their, their best lineup is Walker, Hogard, Hall, Hauser, Sissoko.
3: The Jaden Aiken slander on here is just too much. He played good he's okay.
1: tonight. He he didn't play well in the other games.
3: What do you Did think their ceiling is? Can they compete for a Big Ten title?
4: Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yes. No, no question. Why do you why do you say that so quickly? Guard play. You got an Izzo led defense, and you have guard trustworthy guards, and, and that that combination. Like I know where the ball's gonna be when the money's on the line with Michigan State. Don't you? Like you like when we need one, it's gonna be A. J. Hoggard in the pick and roll, or we're probably going to Tyson Walker. If Joey Hauser's got it going that night, we can pick and pop, or he can post a switch on a matchup. Like you have you know what you're what you're going to late in a game. And as though they did it the other night. I mean, you're going downhill full speed, great decision, and Malik Hall gets a dunk. So I think the Izzo-led defense plus and the combination of that and guard play, they're right there for the Big Ten title. I'm not saying they win it, but they're competing for it. They're right there.
3: Yeah, it, It's amazing. The, the top of the Big Ten, I came in this season thinking that there weren't going to be all that many good teams in the league, right? I was thinking this this was going to be the year where the Big Ten kind of came back to earth. But now we're seeing Iowa look great, Robbie. We're seeing Michigan State play really, really well. We know Illinois just beat up on, on UCLA. Indiana went on the road and beat Xavier and has looked really good so far this season. It feels like it's going to be another year where we're just like, yeah, hey, the Big Ten's loaded again. Everybody at the top's really good.
1: Yeah, I think it is. And I think that this is going to be a season where right now there, I would say there's, Five, five or six teams that could win the league, I, and I really think that. I think Iowa is right there. I think Purdue. You got to talk about um, Michigan State, Illinois, Indiana. Um, the, the league has performed, I would say, above expectations so far in the non-conference. I think it's had a really good non-conference stretch here, and there's still a lot to be to be decided in that as these uh, Thanksgiving events kind of move forward and we get through Christmas, but. I would say it's been about as good of a start for the league as it, it could have been.
3: Where do you see Iowa kind of stacking up in here? Goodman is – is. I think they're a top-four team
1: in the league. I, I think that they are – the versatility thing we've talked about all night, they can mix and match the way they play. They've got really good guard play with Tony Perkins, Aaron Uless, and you can throw Connor McCaffrey if you really want to and to bring the ball up. He's also shooting it better. I like Patrick McCaffrey. I haven't even talked about their best player, Chris Murray. He was dominant the other night at Seton Hall. I think Rabracha has come a long way and is is playing with a different confidence and swagger this season. Um, and I like the way they play. They play fast. They'll they'll turn you over. They don't turn it over. Um, they, they'll have to rebound. They will have to rebound. That's going to be the one thing this year where if they don't do that, um, from losing Keegan Murray, they're going to be smaller a lot of a lot of nights. But they, I like their talent. They they just have a lot of good players
3: when you look at their roster. It's incredible to me that you can lose Luca Garza and and not fall off at all. And then you lose Keegan Murray. And it doesn't look like they've they've fallen off at all. Like how do you how and and Bohannon? I mean
4: and Bohannon. Like
1: he was a big part of what they've done.
4: This Rob, like when with Fran, because he runs motion, like Paint doesn't run it as much, Robbie, as when you guys were there and played there. It can it can kind of get anybody. You know, if your big's your best player, or or if you got Joe Wieskamp Camp, or Jordan Bohannon, or whoever it might be, um, because you're you know the, the offense is flowing and and everybody's moving and everybody's touching the ball and, and guys kind of guys know who the best player is. It's different than running sets and 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 the other team being able to sit on all your sets and and blow them up. And now you got to you know now you got to go somewhere else. I think that the, just the style of play in the offense. You know, that helps because you look at Chris Murray, like I know everybody was saying he could have he could start and be what he what he's jumping. but I I didn't, I mean, we knew Keegan, but it's like, man, and I know Kenyon well. That Kenyon's my guy. He grew up in Battle Creek, Michigan. I'm from Albion, Michigan. It's like 30 minutes away. I watched Ke- I watched Kenyon, their dad, play when I was in middle school when they were in high school. So I'm like, I saw the boys when they were this big. And I'm thinking he got two of them and they're both pros. (laughs) When did you, when did you
3: realize they were going to be like, did you, when they were 14, 15, 16, did you have any idea what the, I was at Iowa 2007
4: and 2010. So I I don't know how old that makes the boys and they're coming to camp and stuff. Right. (laughs) Um, But I don't know that you would have projected this at that point in time, you know, probably after I left. (laughs)
3: So I, I teased this a little bit earlier, but we do have a special guest uh joining us from I don't even know what arena where, where did Illinois and UCLA play? Is that, was T-Mobile. that the T Mobile T Mobile yeah. Arena? Um, hopefully we're gonna be joined by Terrence Shannon here uh in just That's a well second. Right. Um the unfortunate easier. part is that Jeff Goodman is gonna be here as well and uh, he's live. I don't think he knows that he's live on the air <laughs> right now. You're live, Goodman. You're live. Hold the camera up. You're live. Goodman, you're live.
1: A good start here this is this all is. Right, it, Rob, hey there we go I, all right
2: you me can hear ahead. us I don't know if you can or not but hopefully you can I'm with uh Terrence Shannon here star of the night um boy I'll tell you I didn't expect that all right I expected you to have a good game I did not expect eight for nine from three w- was that just something that you've been waiting for because it, it felt like you had the clamps kind of left off you tonight, and and it's your it's your team, and you have that offensive freedom.
5: Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, my teammates, uh, they just tell me to be aggressive and uh, sincere. He he got us off to he sparked the game on defense, and that kind of got me going. And once Matt, we got to like a media timeout. Matt told me like, TJ, man, we need you to be aggressive. And I just I just answered. I tried to do the best uh, to make my team. I was. Just making the right play. Uh, yeah. If I ain't got it, uh, I'm passing and give it up. Like I'm not selfish. So, just making the right play. Uh, and and and. What, what did
2: just... it feel like? Because you've been waiting for this. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. I mean, you've coached. You played under under Beard, under Mark Adams at mm-hmm. Texas Tech. Now, Brad Underwood has kind of given you the ball and yeah. said it's your team.
5: Yes, sir. Uh, it's great. Um, I know. It's like if it just felt like my my work was paying off. Uh, didn't go home this summer. Uh, I stayed in the gym, stayed at school, uh, put in the work, and it just paid off.
2: What does this win mean? Because, frankly, I, I picked UCLA to win the whole thing this year.
5: Oh, that's cool. Uh, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> we had a lot of doubters. Uh, my friend I actually. No, I wasn't
2: doubting you guys. No, 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 I was no. more saying, like, those dudes are good.
5: <laughs> no, I get it. Uh, my friend actually sent me, uh, like, a a, a screenshot of, on ESPN. It was, only had us a 30% chance to win, and I'm like, it just gave me a little more edge, and I just went into the game with that and uh, brought the team together. Told us we got to beat these guys, and, and we pulled it out from 15 down.
2: So, you, you've now played for your fan bases that you've played for mm-hmm. are insane. Two of probably yeah. the craziest in the country that people don't really know about. You know, they know about Kentucky, Kansas, mm-hmm. Texas Tech, and Illinois. I mean, you saw it tonight, it yeah. was insane.
5: Those are the I think Texas Tech and Illinois are the top two uh, fan bases in college basketball. Um, they're great. Uh, they, they, when I came out today, like it and heard them screaming, and I'm like, man, it's about to be a home game. Uh, and actually, when we were watching the Virginia game, they're like, man, there's so many Illinois uh fans out there. So I'm like, y'all sure it's not? Virginia they, were, they were
2: drinking fans? and waiting.
5: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, y'all sure not? It's not Virginia fans. And then, but they're like, no, nah, it's Illinois. I'm like, okay, uh, I like, I love the way they like support us and we got to get the win. Coleman said, we got to get the win for them. Look how they travel for us. You know, and we did.
2: You said, I mean, all you've been preparing for is, is shooting NBA threes and, and you did it tonight. I mean, those were some long, deep threes. How much will you rely on that throughout the season or will it be something that, cause again, your game before this was more predicated on going to the basket.
5: I don't rely to the three. I don't rely um, on the three at all. Um, again, if you see in a game, like I was get, trying to do my best to get downhill, um, pushing their break in front breaking transition. And I just, I just get it the defense. I just take what the defense gives me. Uh, they were sagging off. Uh, they were afraid for me to drive. And if I had the lane, I'd take it. Uh, if they t- cl- clamped in, I'd kick out to Sky or Matt or anyone, but uh, I was just, just, I was just feeling the game. Uh, I, I caught a rhythm and I was feeling it.
2: You were definitely feeling it. Thanks for joining <laughs> us uh, after dark. Next time you got to wear the the daddy Brad shirt. <laughs> All right We got to get you in the daddy Brad Let's shirt, see, but congrats. Uh, we'll see you. Uh, Sunday against yes, Virginia, sir. one of the best defensive teams yes, over yes, probably sir. the last decade. So yes, get some right. rest. Yes, sir. Thank you. You got it. There he is, Rob, Terrence Shannon. Yeah, we This is the uh the Daddy Brad shirt that Goodman
3: was referring to right there. It's in the field of 68. Shop. Jump in there in the merch store uh, and go pick it out. Um, gentlemen, it is currently 12:37 Eastern time. Uh, the only legitimate time zone for the record. Um, and I, I know that Robbie's got a tea time tomorrow. So uh, now that we've had Terrence Shane alive, I think it's time for us to call this a show. This has been fun. It was a great day of college basketball, a lot of great basketball games. Uh, thank you for tuning in with us. Thank you to Robbie Hummel. Thank you to Laval Jordan. No thanks to Jeff Goodman, Dagan Hughes.